The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Let it ride until the very end of the sermon. So, and I, and I try not to do this very much, but I'm going to drag my family kicking and streaming into the beginning of this sermon. My girls sometimes think that they're, they're comedians. And so this last week, they, they kept saying this little joke, and they'd, they'd twirl around, you know, like little girls do. And, and they just thought it was hilarious, and Amanda and I did too. They kept saying, look at my mommy. Do you feel sorry for my daddy? <laughs> they kept saying this, look at my mommy. Do you feel sorry for my daddy? And, you know, life is just this funny thing. I'm going to let that just hang until we get to the very end of the sermon now. But I, I, I really don't want you to feel sorry for me. All right. Here's, this is from the book of Acts. This is from the book of Acts. We're going to pick it up uh, from last week. We're just going to keep following on in these verses, um, starting at verse 42. And you can find that right there in your bulletins. Here's what St. Luke says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Acts 2, 4, 2, it's become a little bit of a code word for Christians. And if you've been in the Christian church long enough, you know exactly what I mean. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 4, 2. It's the standard, right? It's the standard for what a Christian church should look like. And it's also the reason that there's many churches out there that actually call themselves Acts 2, 4, 2 church. It's the reason why if you just Google Acts 242, you'll find a mentoring program just for missionaries. It's the reason why if you don't call your church Acts 242 Church, that you'll put on your website, this is an Acts 242 Christian community. Or if you don't do that, what you'll do is you'll have Acts 242 small groups. Or you'll have Acts 242 Thursday night fellowship. I mean, you get the point, don't you? Acts 242 is the model church. It's what everybody says. And maybe rightly so, because you notice, you notice what Acts 242 says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. So they're devoted. 
They have devotion in their hearts, not for retweeting their celebrity pastor and not for their summer softball team. They are devoted to each other, to the apostles' doctrine, and to prayer. That's it. And so what we have here is Luke describing for us what is truly, truly, and amazingly, stunningly beautiful church. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, if you really think about it. What about Acts 2.4.3 and Acts 2.4.4 and Acts 2.4.5 and Acts 2.4.6 and Acts 2.4.7? Because what Luke goes on to say is that these people, this church, literally shared almost everything. They shared their time. They shared their money. They shared their meals. They shared their joy. They shared their properties. They shared their faith, which is the most important, most important thing of all. And I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure what the most surprising thing is there in there is. Is it the fact that they shared not just Sundays together, but every single day praising the holy name of God in the temple courts? Or is it the fact that they didn't buy stuff for themselves, they, they would give their stuff away or sell it so that they could help the poor? Or, or is it the fact that their joy was of such a kind, so unique, that it just made their harps, hearts leap together? Or, you know, what is the most surprising thing in there about this group of people? Whatever it is to you, what we can say about this church, it is that it was stunningly, devastatingly beautiful. That's how Luke describes the very first Christian church. It's a description. And that's all it is. It's just a description. It's a description of one Christian church from a really long, long time ago. That's it. In fact, you might call me a grammar geek, and you'd probably rightly so call me a grammar geek, but there's no imperatives in here, is there? There's no commands. So it doesn't say in here anywhere, not anywhere, that this is the Ten Commandments that every Christian church must do if you want to be a true Acts 2-4-2 community. It doesn't say that Christians must gather every single day in the temple courts. It doesn't say that anywhere. These are the four things that you have to do to actually be a good church. It doesn't say that anywhere, does it? It's just a description of one Christian church that was devastatingly, devastatingly beautiful. But here's the thing about descriptions. Descriptions have the power to devastate. They really do, and I want to give you a, a, a really gross example of this so that you know, uh, that you'll understand this. This is an absurd exa example. So maybe the wife goes to work one day, and she meets her, no her new male coworker, and she comes back and gives a description of him. And, and she says, well, this guy has hair like a woman. It's just beautiful. I wish I had that kind of hair, you know. And, and, then, and then she says, 
This guy is super educated, and wow, is he a gentleman. Amazing guy. And he's good looking, and his biceps, you know how big his biceps are? 36 inches. And the, and, and the husband's standing there with his mouth on the ground, feeling something inside, right? He's feeling something inside because of a description. That's all it is. In fact, he's probably making a little comparison with his own biceps and those other 36-inch biceps of this true gentleman. Because how can we not compare ourselves, right? How can we not compare ourselves to the beautiful church? Isn't that what we're doing? We look at this church and we say, wow, are they devoted. It's amazing. And we're devoted to our favorite show. And we look at this Christian church, and, and we say, wow, did they share their possessions and, you know, what we do? We buy stuff for ourselves, and then we stick monies away into our college fund for our children. And, and then we look at, at the joy that they had, this soul-leaping, one-of-a-kind kind of joy that they shared and, and that they experienced in their hearts. And we say, we experience fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, you know, you name it. We compare ourselves to this one-of-a-kind beauty even though it's just a description, what does the description do? It devastates us. Because we know that we're nothing like it. Isn't that true? We look at it and we say, we're nothing like that. We maybe get together, what? On average, hopefully, three times a month. If you're a pretty good attender. Right? Right? It's a pretty far fetched from every single week. I mean, can you see what this feels like when you, when you just stare at this description for a while? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like going to your friend's uh, building, and your friend has got a doorman and these incredible amenities, and then you go home to your rent-controlled apartment. And you feel something, don't you? Or it's like that one time when you went to the gala event. And you pulled up in your 1990 rust bucket. And the guy behind you's got a Jaguar. You kind of feel something in your heart like, I don't measure up. My church doesn't measure up. And you feel something. This church is so beautiful, so beautiful, so stunning that it devastates us. We just can't live up to it. And we feel this way even though this is a description. This isn't God's law at all. This is just an inscription. And l listen, Luke did not, we have to understand this, Luke didn't sit down to write Acts 2.4.2 just to shame us. He didn't sit down and think, you know, those modern Christians are going to be terrible churchgoers. 
you know, and, and bad givers, and they're going to be stingy, and they don't get together enough, so I'm going, to, I'm going to write this down so that for all eternity, they're going to feel guilt and shame. You know, that's not why God wrote the Bible, is it? It really isn't. And, and so we have to understand this. Luke is not trying to guilt us into being the beautiful church. In fact, we have to consider what Luke doesn't include in his description of this church. Because if you page ahead in your Bible, you'll notice a few things about this church. You'll notice that included in the membership of this church were Ananias and Sapphira. You know that story? You know the, the liars and the greedy people? Luke doesn't bother to put that in here. He just omits it. Uh, Luke doesn't include in this description that this church, this church very soon was going to divide along racial lines and ethnic lines between Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews. It was right around the corner. Luke doesn't bother to include in this description either the fact that the seeds for a true doctrinal crisis were already in this church because they misunderstood the gospel and that it would force later a Jerusalem council. None of that is in this description, is it? Have you ever thought about why? It's because God didn't see they're ugly. And that's really important to understand. God didn't see the greed and the lying that were in the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira. He didn't see their, their infrequent church attendance. He didn't see their stingy giving. God didn't see any of that. You know why? Because God saw His bride. And when God saw His bride, He rejoiced over His bride like a groom rejoices over His bride. Because His bride, the church, was pure and holy and bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And they weren't wearing rags anymore. They were wearing the righteousness of Christ. And so, when God looked at that church, He didn't see the ugly. What He chose to see in Christ was their devotion. Was their coming together. Was their sharing. What He saw was an Acts 2.4.2 church. So you know what he sees about us? He doesn't see our ugly. He doesn't see the fact that some of us have rather dry prayer lives. He doesn't see the fact that some of us have rather infrequent church attendance. He doesn't see the fact that some of us are kind of stingy in our giving. He doesn't see the fact that some of us aren't as devoted to the church as we should be. He doesn't see any of our ugly. What he sees is his bride. 
that he bought with his own blood. And what he sees in that bride is somebody that is pure, somebody that is holy, and somebody without any kind of stain or wrinkle or blemish. People who have been washed and made clean. That's what God sees when he looks at us. Nothing more and nothing less. You know, that's what I see too. I see that. I wish sometimes, I wish sometimes that some of you could see what I see as a pastor. I wish, you could, I wish you could look into my email inbox and see that person asking for somebody's phone number because they just want to reach out. I wish you could see the text messages that I get of people asking, now which hospital is so-and-so in right now? And I wish, I wish you could see our leaders of this church, after a long day of work, they come together for a meeting that sometimes lasts until 11 p.m. at night. And I wish you could see all the little groups of people getting around tables in the middle of Manhattan or Queens just to study together, just to pray together. I wish you could see this stuff. I wish you could see the fact that people, year after year after year, are putting their hard-earned money in the offering plate. And it tolls up not just to hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, but tens of thousands of dollars to support the ministry of this church. I wish you could see that last Sunday there was some people from this church that were over at my house until 10 o'clock at night fixing my toilet. Imagine that. I wish you could see what God sees and what I see. A church that is devoted that is stunningly, amazingly beautiful by the blood of Christ. My daughters think they're funny. They sing this song, like I said, and they toil around when they do it. Look at my wife. Do you feel sorry for my dada? <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me. She's beautiful. Maybe you can see the connection. Look at Jesus' church. Do you feel sorry for Jesus? Don't. Just don't. She's beautiful. Amen. Amen.